Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and you're listening to Season 3, Episode 15. Andy here, and I'm coming at you just moments after the New York Rangers defeat the Philadelphia Flyers by a score of 4-1. to one. A struggling Philadelphia Flyers who uh, looked like they may or may not be trying to get their head coach and their general manager fired, but... Uh, again, this is not a Flyers podcast. This is a New York Rangers podcast, so I'm only worrying about the blue, white, and red. Yeah, so New York Rangers capping off a very successful month of November and picking up right where they left off uh, after a couple days off following their match against the New York Islanders getting canceled due to COVID, the Islanders being COVID protocol. And yeah, pick up right where they left off. So a lot of positives, which we'll break down in today's podcast and just kind of wrap up the November that the New York Rangers had, which, as I mentioned before, was extremely impressive, uh, really found some consistency they were lacking coming into the season, which was to be expected, though. They had a new coach, new teammates, new line mates, a lot of just trying to find some chemistry. And yeah, they, they continue their winning ways. They seem to be finding it. Um, obviously the common thread as it was tonight, uh, as it's been all season has been Igor Shishterkin has been outstanding almost every night. And hence, you know, it's, uh, the Rangers just beat Elaine Vio, excuse me, Elaine Vigneault. And he has pretty famous for a quote that says, if, uh, your goaltender is better than my goaltender, you win. If my goaltender is better than your goaltender, I win. So you know, no love lost between Rangers fans and Elaine Vigneault and apparently Flyers fans and AV. But uh, yeah, so still still rings a true statement. Carter Hart uh, getting left out to dry by his teammates a bit. The Rangers are sharp in the first and come on pretty strong and go up by three goals and kind of coast the rest of the game. But yeah, I, honestly, their game management has been good. You know, you can maybe say what you will about just being a little lethargic and being lazy and just kind of coasting from there on and kind of they let Philly take it to them. But at the same time, they are good about letting Igor see the shots that he probably wants to see. And uh, yeah, they've, you know, they're, they, they're committed to their defensive structure. So yeah, you'd maybe like to see them shut down cycles better and not get hemmed in as much. But 
again, uh, baby steps. Rome wasn't built in a day, and this is a team that's still learning and adapting, but it's nice to see. It seems like all the lines are, are clicking. Um, Dryden Hunt scores again after a beautiful pass from Panarin, so he's his second goal in as many games, so he's looking like he's yeah not having... Uh, Problems getting open for the for Strom and Panarin and finding chemistry with them. He kind of fills that Colin Blackwell role, which uh, doesn't surprise me given their skill sets seem pretty similar. And uh, but he does get ejected after a uh, you know a questionable I guess you could say game misboarding and slash game misconduct penalty um, for I forget who it was it was a Lawton uh, I'm not sure but but yeah so then the Rangers have to shorten their bench and. Uh, Again, uh, Barkley Goodrow in uh, late in the third takes a puck to the eye and immediately runs to the locker room. You're, so you're already they're already down. Rangers are already down a forward. They're down another one. He immediately runs to the locker room and luckily he's okay. It, uh, Gerard Gallant just told everyone in the press conference, post game presser, that it was just a cut above the eye. It wasn't his eye. You know, we everyone saw the the visor shatter. Um, so yeah, it was a scary moment there for a second, especially see a guy run off like that. You hope it just because if it hits him in an eye, it can you know, yeah, do some damage. You don't want to. You, you think about what happened to Mark Stahl, and that was really scary. Um, and he was never really quite the same after it. But uh, luckily, Barkley Goodrow's okay. Just a little cut above the eye. Um, I'm sure it really smarted though. It did not look. Uh, yeah, it looked like it really sucked, but he's okay, so that's good. And yeah, the Rangers just literally just mish all mosh all their forwards together to just make sure they can keep fresh legs out there and just kind of coast their way through the rest of the game. Um, Adam Fox has a brilliant assist, and even though I, I would say honestly this might have been the, one of the worst games I've ever seen Adam Fox play, he just kind of looked lethargic and a little uh, I don't know, I don't want to say lazy, but just like a little careless with the puck for his. Uh, for his high standards, because it's very rare for see him have an off night. But again, still makes some really good outlet passes and some good passes, even on probably what is his worst game of the season. But you know, and that that's four games off, and there's something to be said about a team being in a rhythm. So uh, they're going to be in a rhythm soon here, though, because they're going to pick up right back <laughs> at it on Friday night against the San Jose Sharks, and then they have the Chicago Blackhawks on Saturday. So yeah, their schedule gets really compact here. So maybe you can say that, uh, even though with the, the state of the Islanders at the point, this point they might have got pulled out a, a victory. It was good to get that extra day off and just get the you know recharge a little bit because again, yeah, they they play uh, Friday, Saturday, and then they play the following Tuesday and Wednesday, and uh, then they have a little time off. But then yeah, the, the schedule just keeps getting more more and more compact. So. Um, and yeah, the Sharks are coming off a pretty impressive, uh, victory over on the road against the New Jersey Devils. And they're definitely a team that they don't want to hear about what everyone else seems to think about how good they are. Um, Team Amar is having an unreal season for them. Uh, Tomas Hurdle is Tomas Hurdle. He's still very good. And hell, even Eric Carlson and Brent Burns can burn you if you uh, kind of forget or say they're past their prime. So, yeah, that'll be a test for the Rangers because unlike some of the, the teams the Rangers have faced uh, in their last couple of games between, you know, the the Sabres, the Islanders, the Bruins, and the Flyers, yeah, these teams aren't struggling so much. Um, well, I, I would say the Sharks are, yeah, those teams are struggling. They have their own unique circumstances, and the Sharks are a tough test because they can clearly 
have some good uh, some good depth and some good talent. So, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Rangers are, are up to the task, and hopefully they're, they're definitely going to have to work a little bit harder than they did tonight against a Flyers team that is, uh, like I said, is their whose confidence is shot and is may potentially maybe trying to get their head coach fired and uh, general manager after, yeah, just a lack of confidence and everything that's going on there. So as I sit here recording this, I'm pulling up some of the quotes from the post-game pressers as they start rolling in from the various Rangers beat writers on social media. And uh, they asked Igor about the garden crowd chanting his name rather loudly this game, and he was good at Brilliant once again, and uh, uh, Vince Mercogliano on Twitter says, Igor said the crowd chanting his name gave him strength and motivation. He smiled and added, I had to make sure I didn't cry, which obviously, as a Ranger fan, just warms your heart, and how could you not love this guy more? Rangers fans have no idea, well, hopefully they have a good idea of how fortunate and blessed they are to go from Henrik Lundqvist to to this kid, uh, because, yeah, he's sensational and you watch him and just his ability to not only read plays but to read and then be in front of it so he's already in his uh his vh up against the post it hits him it makes him look like he was waiting for it which is he's already square he's not you know he's not reacting and then making his moves he's kind of just reading analyzing and just playing his percentages but in such a way of like just he knows he kind of has a sense of where the flow of the play is going to end up and so he's always ready and again um he's just been brilliant this year and uh, yeah rangers are so so fortunate to have him but they they definitely know that he, he's awarded a first star or excuse me third star of the night um for the game Second star goes to Jacob Truba, who, again, James and I have eaten a lot of crow this this season with how he's performed. He gets a power play goal. Uh, the first unit on the power play early in the game goes to work and looked like absolute, utter garbage. Just some of the things are always guilty of just overthinking passes, just too tentative, passing too much, just not keeping it direct and simple. Second uh, power play comes to work uh, or comes on the ice, and obviously you have Kako, Lafreniere, Truba, uh, Nils and um, I forget who else they threw out there with him, but uh, yeah, again, Truba is when he has the puck, he's just letting it go, he's just hammering it, and yeah, he plays a little pitch and catch with Lundqvist and Kako and one timer back of the net, and yeah, he was just nasty and surly all game, which is what you want from Jacob Truba. Again, you can argue maybe for they thought he was going to have to be their number one do-it-all guy, so they paid him the $8 million. Commiserate with that, so you can maybe argue for what his usage is now. It's a little, he's overpaid, which is true, but again, they didn't know they were going to get Adam Fox was going to be this and this quickly, and they didn't know they were going to get Lafreniere. And, uh, you know, you just didn't know what it was going to be, so at the time, it seemed like a prudent move. But I digress. Troop has been excellent this season. He has definitely helped Miller be more comfortable and, and take some strides because yeah, the rookies have, you know, it's been, it's, it's a tough league, man. And Miller has had more, he's looked more assertive and has had more moment of brilliance, but he still has the occasional turnover. And Nils is 
moving the puck up ice with more regularity, which is good. But again, he's tripping over a skate sometimes in his own end. But other times he's getting in there, and he's even though he's not the biggest guy, he's still very good about um, bracing for pressure. And yeah, he's got a good. He's yeah, he's sneaky. Uh, he's got some sneaky strength. You want to suggest for a guy his side, and he's tenacious. He's not afraid. So he'll just continue to get better. But. Uh, yeah, Truba, second star of the game. Uh, first star of the game, Capococco. Or actually, I think, I, excuse me, I have this in in, in reverse order. Uh, Igor was the first star. Truba was the second star. And that's the, and then the third star of the game was Capococco with two assists. Yeah, man, he looks like he's definitely arrived and he looks comfortable and he's has chemistry with Zabanajad and Kreider. And I think it's, at first, Ranger fans were all up in arms about why they moved him off the Panarin and Strom line, but it's kind of perfect. He gets to possess the puck a little bit more, especially because Panarin and Strom are puck-dominant players, especially Panarin, so they're going to play pitch and catch, and they can find each other all over the ice. They just think the game is a similar way, and now he gets to carry the puck a little bit more, but re, and those guys are kind of, I would say it's more of a more of a you know democracy about who has the puck. It's just kind of, this guy has this, I'll get open. And yeah, a Brilliant uh, tic-tac-toe passing play um, between uh, the three for Kreider for his team-leading uh, 16th goal of the season. And that puts him uh, in third place for uh, goal scoring in the league behind Dreisaitl and Ovechkin. And I think, you know, one uh, ahead of Andrew Mangiapane from uh, Calgary, who's been a great story. But, yeah, I mean, again, we're, Kreider has been unbelievable with his goal scored this year and yeah go figure he's it takes Gerard Gallant to just help unlock that but just yeah not overthink play a simple game and effective and just shoot the puck when you have it and yeah Kreider's just uh yeah who knows maybe it's the fact that he's been charged with really just being one of the leader or letting a leader emerge and maybe this is his way of of leading you know so I'm obviously happy to be I've Many people have been hard on Chris Kreider throughout the years for just wanting more because of his tantalizing skill set, even though he's maybe not the most. His hockey IQ isn't super, super, you know, not to say he's dumb or anything or he doesn't have he doesn't have a a good hockey IQ. But, you know, he's just kind of a more of a direct player and he doesn't have the the or in the past, he hasn't really exhibited the soft hands or the poise or the patience or the the vision to to really unlock his game, be elite player. But he's got kind of all that this season. He just puts himself in great spots. He uses his strength effectively, but he doesn't rush his go, his scoring chances. He knows when to he excuse me. Oh my God, Bushmouth. Sorry. He knows when to arrive at just right at the perfect time and dives on that goal to just get the shot off and. You know, he's, he shoots it with his pu- his feet literally kicked up behind him like Superman and just gets it off just in time as he's fallen down, which was great because he knew he had to really get it off quick to beat Hart. And Zuccarello used to do that a lot, actually, where he would he would hit one timer so hard that his feet would go out <laughs> from under him. So, um, yeah, it looks like he may have borrowed that from him. Uh, but, yeah, continues to stay red hot in terms of goal scoring. And Zabanajad content to if cries a hot hand he's content to get it to him and he keeps he keeps finding him and obviously now Kako's on that line and yeah he's fitting in and he Kako was excellent again just the amount of takeaways this kid has his stick is so good and he he turns player he's so good at turning play around when the other team's going up the ice with you know a, a well-timed uh, 
poke check or stick lift in the either the offensive zone or the neutral zone. And he gets uh, the play going around the other way. So, and he's only going to get better as he gets faster and stronger. So you forget that this is now Rangers fans seem happy with where he's at and he's still going to develop. You know, it's just like he looks commiserate for what his draft pedigree is at right now. And he looks good every game and that's what you want. And he's got points coming in again. He's got another two points tonight and yeah, so all things are things are all gravy with Cock right now, which is a, a load off. You know, Lafreniere is a little bit slower going, but he'll get there. So uh, again, I think that's again we, we speak about this all the time, but Kako must is probably a good reminder that just be patient. And you know, Lafreniere, who knows, maybe next year you'll see him take some of the steps that we've seen Kako take. Uh, you know, or before very eyes over the last month. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action as everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving new customers free shots at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, it's December. And you know what that means? The World Junior Championships, uh, time-honored Christmas hockey tradition is right around the corner. The New York Rangers this year, because as they've gotten a, a little bit farther along in that retool rebuild, don't have as many prospects represented as they have had in the past couple seasons, which has been obviously, uh, as a, a big prospect watcher and lover, it's been a lot of fun. But the Rangers will still have some prospects represented. Brett Berard will be returning for Team USA. Uh, well, at least he's on the preliminary roster. And again, these rosters can get cut down, but you would think as a player that had, uh, he'd be one of the more senior players on the team, that he will probably wear a letter. And yeah, just considering the tournament he had last year, he's probably a lock, I would say, to make it. Uh, Dylan Garand, named to preliminary roster for Team Canada as a goaltender. Will Cooley, named to the preliminary roster, uh, yeah, just based on his size and grit and his goal-scoring prowess. Um, and that's, that's, that's so far with these preliminary rosters, that's it, I believe. Although I would say that outside of uh, Brant Clark, which everyone is kind of str- sh- you know scratching uh, their heads about why Team Canada omitted him from their preliminary wrist, uh, Brendan Othman, New York Rangers prospect, did not make the preliminary roster for Team Canada, uh, which is surprising. Consider A, Shane Wright will most likely be on this team. B, those two have some pretty insane chemistry from past uh, 
you know, uh, U20 uh, Canadian, uh, you know, world championship teams. And yeah, it's just very surprising omission considering the start he's off to this year. And he's torching the OHL right now. He's on a really, 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 uh, how do I say this delicately? He's on a really bad uh, Flint Firebirds team. And yet he was named the OHL player of the week. Uh, last week, for he, I believe, in a week's worth of play, he had one goal and six assists. Uh, in 17 games, he has 14 goals and 27 points. And I think uh, I'd have to pull it up. And you know what? I'm going to do that. I want to see how many points does the next best player on the Flint Fibers have. So let's go here. Here we go. So again, uh, Othman has 27 points in uh, 17 games. The next best player is Tyler DeLine. He's a defenseman, and he has 17 points. In, uh, or excuse me, he has 16 points in 17 games. So, yeah, and <laughs> you go on down the list, and everyone else, you know, most of their other, uh, I guess you could say, top six forwards have in the, the ballpark of 11 to 9 points. So, uh, yeah, 27 points compared to the rest of his team's 11 to you know, one player with uh, 16 points. Uh, yeah, he's basically, and that's the strange, not only is he the highest scoring player on that team, but he's involved in a whopping amount of their offense, like in terms of their point share. So he will most likely be traded to a contender for the Memorial Cup at some point in the season, but to omit him from a preliminary roster, even if you think, oh, well, we already have so many goal scores, but we need guys who are a little bit more, uh, I guess, well-rounded. I, you know, I don't know the reason. Cause like I said, him and Shane Wright have shown an unreal chemistry, so don't understand it. Uh, but I don't know. I guess it is what it is, politics. And same thing with Brant Clark. I believe the quote that came out said something of the line that he's very talented, but we need to consider all the aspects of uh, building a successful team, yada, yada. Teams overthink this stuff. They're, they galaxy brain themselves into inviting, like, uh, you know, it's, it was like when Team USA would always invite, like, Justin Albulcator and Ryan Callahan over, like, Phil Kessel and other, you know, really uh, high-scoring offensive players, which they, uh, you know, it's, uh, hot, old, you know, old hockey men going to old hockey men. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it should still be fun tournament regardless uh obviously COVID is still a concern but after they were able to pull it off with the bubble last year you hope that uh yeah everything goes off without a hitch and I'm um, should be excited so that's I believe at the end of the month James and I will do more in-depth coverage as official rosters are filled out and leading up to the tournament and obviously we'll give coverage throughout that but uh yeah it's exciting and I, I definitely can't wait and I definitely want to see Brett Berard be one of the key drivers for Team USA and yeah, it'll be interesting to see what type of tournament uh, Garand has if he can see considerable playing time for uh, uh, Team Canada. So yeah, we'll see if anyone else gets named to any teams. But yeah, exciting, exciting time for sure. In other New York Rangers-related news, uh, I guess it relates to almost every team in the league, but Jake DeBrusque has requested a trade from the Boston Bruins. It's apparently not working out there. Between the player and the team, he's looking for a fresh start. Uh, unfortunately for him at this moment in time, they are without a lot of their key forwards. Marshand is suspended, uh, th is currently serving a three-game suspension for slew footing. 
Oliver Ekman Larson uh, of the Canucks. And yeah, they've with all the players they lost in the offseason, like uh, Krejci to, I guess you could say, pseudo-retirement as he's going back to play in Europe. And yeah, they have some other guys out with injuries right now. So yeah, they, they can't afford to deal him at the moment. But uh, yeah, he's looking for a fresh start. And uh, according to Darren Drager on TSN, uh, a lot of teams have inquired, upwards of 10. Uh, but apparently the New York Rangers were among them, which is strikes me as odd considering he is a left winger. And that's where this team is actually has a bit of a gridlock. They need obviously help on the other side, on the right side. And uh, they could definitely use another versatile center or pivot somewhere, or at least a player who's versatile who could play either center or wing, but, and not in a fourth line, more in a middle six uh, to top six capacity. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to hear that but again I guess if you think the player has up untapped upside and he plays definitely has in the season passes played a rough and tumble style that I could see being very attractive to a GM like Chris Drury and a team like the Rangers who again they're they made it their mission to get tougher to play against uh yeah he's definitely I could see why he would be on their radar but uh, again as I spoke with James on the last few podcasts I would definitely be very interested to see what happens with a player uh, like Brendan Gallagher in Montreal as their uh, season is slowly going down the drain, which kind of leads me to our next segment as uh, the Montreal Canadiens have made a pretty savvy hire in uh, much has been made of the fact that to be the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, it is in, has usually been mandated and deemed very important that they speak both uh English and uh, French in order to be able to just communicate with the media and the fan base, uh, the entirety of the media and the entirety of the fan base in uh, Quebec. And obviously this can be somewhat limiting to the talent pool you have to choose from if uh, there are only so many qualified, there's a lot of unqualified executives in positions of uh, power around the league right now. And to try to fill these spots, especially it's a lot of the same names and people. So as time has gone on, it's definitely been hard for uh, the Montreal Canadiens to find people that are qualified for those positions, but they've found a workaround Uh, owner, Jeff Molson, who is the uh, president of hockey operations for the Montreal Canadiens has named uh, our friend Jeff Gorton as the vice president of hockey ops for the Montreal Canadiens. And he will, at some point, appoint his, a general manager of the team who will be the outward-facing mouthpiece for the team. Um, so they will definitely be bilingual. And obviously, there's lots of names that have been thrown out. Uh, Danny Briere, who was, uh, who I think is currently the general manager of uh, the Maine Mariners in the ECHL, who uh, is a, actually affiliate of the New York Rangers, or was either last season or the season before I think it was uh, either I think it was last season or no it was two seasons ago whatever but so they have some familiarity there uh, there's a few other names of executives being thrown out but the general overarching uh, point is that Jeff Gorton will basically do what he did uh, in New York and in his very short stint in Boston and he will be in charge of these big picture and hell even working the phones and doing these things and 
the day-to-day ops and interfacing with the players and the media uh, will be done by his appointee general manager. And he gets to kind of do the whole, you know, mad scientist hockey uh, team building thing in the, in the shadows while his uh, GM of choice interfaces with the team and the media and runs that stuff. And that's kind of the workaround they seem to have come up with because usually in the past it's been, uh, especially considering who it is, there's a lot of general managers who they want, if they're doing it, you know, like I said, try telling Lou Lamorello. I think they, they made this uh, joke on uh, the 31 Thoughts podcast where Elliot said, try telling Lou Lamorello that he's just going to, you know, interface with the, or he's just going to um, interact with the media and be the mouthpiece and you're going to do all the hockey stuff. Uh, and I believe it's Brian Burke that famously said every time he interviewed for a job for as a general manager, he said there's two hands on the steering wheel and they're both mine uh, to whoever his prospective employer was. Uh, so yeah, so you can sense why it's kind of might be hard for uh, some yeah executives to give up any power. But again, uh, this is the workaround they've developed and it should work. And, and, it's obviously this in light of this news, it's kind of made me reflect on Jeff Gordon's tenure here with the Rangers. And you have to try to try to look at it as objectively as I can, uh, because obviously things are working out right now for the team. They're, they're winning and they have some good pieces and you try to think back and say, well, what did uh, Gordon do in his tenure here? That was good. What did he do? That was not so good. What could he have done better? What did he over exceed? What did he perform? Uh, and yeah, I think Jeff is very good big picture wise. I think he was, like I said, he had one, he had an amazing week <laughs> in Boston where he basically built the, the most of that cup team, you know, um, and in his tenure here in New York, you can say every, obviously everyone makes a lot about the fact that Fox was always going to come here and Panarin only wanted to come here and he lucked out winning the lottery, but you know, there's plenty of teams that have won lotteries or won multiple lotteries and it didn't really help them uh, for a while because the culture and the team around them wasn't, wasn't good. And, you know, I think for him to strip a team down, but for them to never truly ever bottom out to like depressing levels was pretty good. Cause even when the Rangers were missing the playoffs, it was kind of part of the plan. They sent out the letter, they trade uh, vet uh, fan favorites like McDonough and step and Broussard and, Hagelin and Rick Nash and uh, yeah, uh, Zuccarello on Girardi uh, buyouts and Mark Stahl and just down the line, uh, there was always, it never felt as dire as it maybe has felt in uh, places like Arizona or Buffalo or Ottawa because yeah, he they made sure to try to keep some vestiges of like we're sticking to a plan and we're being transparent. He was very transparent, which I think they definitely deemed was important because the Rangers had just kind of done whatever they wanted in, in uh, cloak and shadow and just the fan base just kind of had to be along for the ride, even though it's not, uh, if they didn't agree with what was going on, they were just kind of forced to hang on to the steering wheel and watch. But yeah, I mean, he did a great job. This advantage ad for Broussard trade is, was absolutely a genius move on his part. It was an absolute steal. Um, you know, I'd say some of the contracts he gave out, I spoke earlier about the Truba contract in hindsight, 2020, maybe you don't want to give that much money to a player where that's his usage, but 
Troop is playing well this season. And again, they didn't know that they would have an Adam Fox be this good and ever or even come to the team. And uh, before they gave him that money and they thought Troop was going to be their power play quarterback. And he'd probably, if he was, he might have a lot more points because he was pretty good at it and uh, wasn't Adam Fox level or anything. But, you know, he was pretty good as a point man in uh, Winnipeg. And you see with that shot how effective he can be. But yeah, so maybe you can argue some of the contracts. He's, he didn't really, they didn't really get any of their uh, upper echelon players on super team-friendly deals, especially coming off of seeing Jack Hughes signing uh, New Jersey gambling on the 8 uh, by 8 It will be curious to see what Chris Drury does with Kako in light of this news. But I'm going to wait till James gets back to talk about that, of how they should approach contract structures with their promising young rookies. Um, but yeah, I mean, just overall looking at Jeff Gorton's tenure in New York, he definitely did more than good, you could definitely say. And yeah, I think he as there was always a plan in mind, and it was always super transparent with the fan base. And even if he was the one making the decision at the end of the day, you felt like you were included. And I think that's important because you look at, like I mentioned, the, the Flyers they're in such a state of disarray and the fans are furious with their general manager and they feel like it's just retreads and answering the same old questions and answers and just, uh, yeah, they just feel like they're not, they're not simpatico and they're not in along for the ride or they're not being considered. And that's the worst thing. So I think the way that, you know, and obviously wisely having JD come back to be the more, a grandfatherly, uh, happy, calming presence to like do most of the big picture state of the union type stuff was good because he's such a, like I said, a trusted presence in this organization. Uh, and in the hearts of Ranger fans who have just grown up with him either as a goaltender or as a commentator and then a, eventually a hockey executive. And yeah, it just, again, you can't overstate how important it is to feel that simpatico that's like with uh, between the fan base and the ownership. And yeah, th- they had that under Jeff Gordon. They clearly made that a priority. And I think that's one of the, the better testaments. And obviously the success this team is having right now is clearly, you know, I, you definitely have to give Chris Dury credit for some of the moves he's made over the summer. But at the same time, a lot of the, the pieces were originally laid out by Jeff Gordon. So, you know, I like, him as an executive, I think he's one of the better ones in the league. He's uh, He didn't get the job by nepotism. He actually kind of worked his way up through uh, the system, uh, you know, through front offices. I think he was like in PR or something or with the marketing team for some, you know, hockey team. But uh, I digress. Uh, hope Good luck to Jeff Gorton in Montreal. Just hopefully the Rangers are successful by then or they don't. Uh, it doesn't interfere with the Rangers' success. But, uh, yeah, I think he was unceremoniously let go here. and. I'm happy for him to get a job because I think he's honestly one of the more qualified people in the hockey world. That's pretty much going to do it for this edition of the podcast. I look forward to having James come back and join me where, like I said, we can uh, talk about the Jack Hughes extension. We'll break down the games the Rangers uh, will have played over this weekend. And yeah, I just, uh, it's, he's much better at steering the ship than I am. So I miss him and I can't wait to have him back. So, uh, yeah, hopefully the Rangers continue their winning ways. Cause as I said, they have a tough test this weekend. 
the San Jose Sharks are not pushovers and they're not slumping like some of the teams the Rangers have faced as of late. And even Chicago has found, uh, after stumbling out of the gate, has found a little bit more consistency and players like Debrinket and Kane are uh, going off right now. So, yeah, that they'll have to be sharp. Those games will not be a walk in the park by any means. So, uh, but yeah, they the Rangers, if anything else, as of right now, and I'll say this season in total, they seem extremely confident and up to the task. So, uh, let's see because. Uh, It's one thing to say it, and it's another to do it. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter, at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.